You are listening to The Stender with Rabbi Michael Knopf, a Jcast Network podcast. For more information about Rabbi Knopf, please visit MikeKnopf.com. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit JcastNetwork.org. We're starting a new sermon series this week called Be Holy. And uh, it, for those of you in the know, it refers to the commandment at the center of this week's Torah portion, literally the center of this week's Torah portion, um, as we read it in our congregation. Uh, if we had just read the parasha Kedoshim, it would have been at the beginning of that Torah portion. Um, but as I mentioned last night, this commandment is in some ways not only uh, literally is central to the entire Torah. If you were to take the Torah scroll and roll it out end to end, this commandment would be more or less exactly in the middle of the Torah, um, which is to say that it is uh, the pinnacle or the, uh, the, the centerpiece, right? The, the point to which all directions tend in the Torah is uh, the focal point, is this passage, this commandment that is in this week's Torah portion, which commands us, and you can see um, at the very beginning of your uh, source sheet uh, that hopefully you have a copy of, God spoke to Moses saying, speak to the whole Israelite community and say to them, Kedoshim ti you ki kadosh ani Adonai Elohechem, you shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. And so this is what our rabbis teach is the central commandments in the Torah. Rab, uh, Rashi, the, uh, the, the famous uh, 11th century French commentator, interprets the first part of that passage, speaks to the whole Israelite community, teaches that this passage was said to the community because the majority of the body of the Torah depends on it. In other words, something foundational, essential to the whole project of being Jewish. Why we're in the business of being Jewish anyway? What does it mean? What are we supposed to do? What are we supposed to accomplish? Is premised on this one commandment, be holy. So other traditions might tell you be mystical. Other traditions might tell you be spiritual. Other traditions might tell you be good. Other traditions might tell you be just. Other traditions might tell you to be kind. Our tradition might say any number of those things as well or as a corollary to this, but the foundational principle is be holy. So it urges the question to me, what does it mean to be holy? And how does that work out in real life? Because religious people and non-religious people sometimes throw that word holy around And I don't know about you, but I'm often not exactly sure what that means. What does it mean to be holy? What is holiness all about? That's the question, and it's one that is not answered, at least directly, in the Torah portion. The statement is just made, be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. And then what follows are a list of different kinds of commandments, some of them ritual in nature, but many of them ethical in nature, Some of them personal in nature, some of them communal in nature, some of them action-oriented, and some of them about our thoughts and our feelings and our emotions. So if we are to understand the essence from what the Torah says being holy is, there's not necessarily one specific definition of it, but it includes virtually everything that follows in that passage. And we're going to be spending this week and and next week talking about different dimensions of what the Torah means by the commandment, be holy. But I think that there is certainly 
um, a way to synthesize what the issue of holiness is in the Torah and what it means for us in our lives, in our world, to live that way, to be holy. So Rashi, following much of the rabbinic tradition, which is usually Rashi's uh, modus operandi, interprets you shall be holy to mean you shall be separated from licentiousness and sin. To Rashi and to most of the rabbis of the Midrash and Talmud, kedoshim to you, you shall be holy, means prushim to you. You shall be separate. You shall separate yourselves. It's not, I think, coincidental that the people who eventually became known as rabbis, before they had the title rabbi, were part of a sect, a community of Jews who were known as the Prushim, which in, if you read the Babel, not the Torah, but the Babel, right, they're called the Pharisees, right? Uh, but the Prushim is the Hebrew word for it, and Prushim is that word, the ones who separate themselves, the separatists. And there are all sorts of historical, sociological, uh, philosophical reasons that they may have called themselves that, but I think it's not coincidental that the rabbis interpreted this passage, what it, the essence they said of what the Torah is about, the basis on which the whole Torah is formed, is prushim to you. You shall be separate. Now, the act of separation can mean, I think, a lot of different things. And a lot of people have interpreted it to mean in many number of different things over the course of history. It could mean, you know, Jews should live totally separate, be totally separate from everybody else. It could mean that we should be like ascetic monks, you know, living on mountainsides, away apart from other people. But I think contextually, if you read the list of commandments that follow the general commandment of Kedoshim Tiyu, you shall be holy, the list of commandments don't, to me, indicate either of those choices of the Jewish people being totally radically separate from any other community and of individual people separating themselves from all humanity. So look at what the Khatam Sofer says, a medieval, late medieval commentator, an early modern commentator. And he says, Rashi explained that this passage was spoken to the assembly since most of the body of Torah depends on it. Right? This is the foundational principle in the Torah. It is not the Holy Blessed One's intention for a person to be completely separate, meaning that he goes to a place with no people, to deserts and forests, to meditate and contemplate God's awesome works. For God did not create it, the world, empty. God formed it to be inhabited. Right? In other words, one can't, taking this passage within the context of not only the commandments that come after it, but the entire context of the Torah, one can't extrapolate from the passage that the point is to live totally separate and apart from everybody else. Judaism is not mandating an ascetic tradition by this passage. What it's mandating is a different kind of separateness, a different kind of separation. But it's not saying the world is just screwed up. So you might as well go meditate on a mountain somewhere. That's not what it's saying. So here's what the Khatam Sofer says it is saying. Rather, blessed God's will 
is for a person to love humanity and connect with them, to teach them understanding and intelligence through God's Torah. So there are a couple of things that stick out to me about that statement and why I think it's a powerful interpretation of the notion of being holy. Because if you look back at the passages from the actual Torah portion, perhaps the most famous passage that follows in this core of laws under the heading of Be Holy is the one that we chanted at the beginning of our portion this morning and the one that most of us know from the various earliest ages and stages that we encounter not only the Jewish tradition but the entire Western tradition, which is Leviticus 19, 18, Love your fellow as yourself. I am the Lord. And so now you see why Chatam Sofer interprets this be separate doesn't mean separate yourself from humanity, but it means love humanity. Because how could the idea of being separate mean distance yourself from humanity, and then in the same breath, God says, love your neighbor as yourself. And also it means teaching them understanding and intelligence through God's Torah. In other words, communicating the life-affirming and justice-demanding wisdom of the Torah to all of humanity to create societies of compassion and justice founded on the vision of society that the Torah offers us. And like I mentioned before, if you go through the list of commandments in Leviticus 19 after the statement, you shall be holy, what follows are not a set of commandments about how you should meditate on the side of a mountain, but rather how you should build a just and compassionate society. So you can see back in the passages, just that I selected, not at random from our Torah portion, but you shall not render an unfair decision. Verse 15, you shall not render an unfair decision. Do not favor the poor or show deference to the rich. Judge your kinsmen fairly. Do not deal basely with your countrymen. Do not stand idly by the blood of your fellow. I am the Lord. In other words, we have responsibilities to other people. And we have an obligation to create societies of compassion, love, and justice. And so the separateness that is commanded by the, by the verse, be holy, is not a separateness of isolation, but a separateness of counterculture. Rise above is what it means by separateness. Don't just follow your basest instincts or inclinations or what might be popular and what everybody else is doing. Elevate yourself. Know what is good, know what is right, know what is just, know what is intelligent, know what is wise, know what is true. And check your gut reaction to whatever might be happening in society. Check your desire that we all naturally have to follow the herd. And ask yourself, is that the kind of society, is that the kind of life, is that the kind of deed 
that God would want and that God would do. Be holy means be separate from the behavior of everyone else, but not separate from everyone else. Be a leader and not a follower. Be an example and not a statistic. The Khatam Sofer continues by saying, so if his intention is only for this end, only for the end of loving humanity and connecting with them to teach them understanding and intelligence through God's Torah, then he will be connected with people and his heart will be attached to God. And nevertheless, he will be separate from the pleasures of this world. That is the manner of separation that God has chosen. And that is the explanation as to why here, when it says you shall be holy, that you shall practice separation. And one could err and think that this manner of separation means bodily seclusion. Therefore, it says, speak to all the congregation. Meaning, this passage was spoke in assembly so that one will be separate but still engaged with humanity. So we have a unity here. God doesn't just say, be holy. God gathers the whole people together and says, be holy. Not be holy only as individuals, but create holiness as a community. Create holiness as a society. Be separate from what your instincts might lead you to do, although your instincts sometimes might be right. Be able to analyze and evaluate what they are. Be able to analyze and evaluate what might be popular. Just because it's popular doesn't mean it's wrong, but it also doesn't mean it's right. But do it in the context of society and community. Do it in the context of interpersonal relationships. Being holy doesn't mean being separate from people. It means separating yourself for the benefit of people. And so that, I think, as I was thinking about what's been going on in our world over the past week, the notion of being holy in this manner rings out to me. Because when an earthquake hits in Nepal, killing thousands and leaving thousands more homeless, the idea of being holy, loving our fellow human beings, and having compassion and connection with them, founded on the verse, love your fellow as yourself, which Rabbi Akiva famously interprets as, what is hateful to you, don't do to other people. Or you could do it the flip way, what you would want to happen to you, do for other people. And so if I was displaced from an earthquake, if my whole life shattered around me, what would I want other people to do for me and with me? Exactly. And so be holy means be present to the extent that you can for the benefit of others who are in your need. And that's why verse 16 says, do not stand idly by the blood of your fellow. If somebody is suffering, don't stand and do nothing because there is always something that can be done. It may not totally alleviate the suffering. I may not be able to give homes to the thousands of people who are homeless in Nepal, but I can contribute at least a little bit to help some people overcome this incredible disaster and this incredible tragedy. And as I think about what's happening in Baltimore, this notion of being holy in the manner of separation also rings out to me in a couple of different directions. Because it means that if I am to truly love my fellow as myself, that has to apply 
in all manner of circumstances. It means that the police are my fellow that I must love as myself. It means that other people of my race and ethnicity are my fellow that I must love as myself. And it means people who don't look like me, who don't live in the same neighborhood I live in, who aren't in the same socioeconomic bracket that I'm in, who don't have the same ethnic background that I do or speak the same language or go to the same schools, that they are my fellow that I am obligated to love as myself. And what's hateful to me, I must not do to them. And what I would want for me, I must make sure they have as well. Go back to verse 16, which says, you shall not render an unfair decision or show favor to the poor or deference to the rich. Judge your kinsmen fairly. Are we living in a society in which Justice is done justly, in which all of our kinsmen, all of our fellows are judged and treated fairly and equally. I'm not positive that we are, and it's worth our consideration and our thought as we analyze and evaluate what is happening in Baltimore. And insofar as there are discrepancies in our system of justice, the commandment, be holy, be separate from, to step back from what's happening in our culture and say, is what's happening just? And if the answer is no, love your neighbor as yourself. Even if the answer is moderately no, love your neighbor as yourself. But it also means, which, which also means, by the way, that the protests and even the violence we can't treat as if they come out of nowhere. When we love our fellow as ourselves, we have to at least try to step in their shoes and see the legitimate, wherever it might be legitimate, anger and frustration and outrage that they're feeling. However, that doesn't necessarily mean that every action born of that potentially legitimate and righteous anger and frustration is itself legitimate. And so if we are following this commandment of be holy, be separate from, standing back, seeing what's happening and analyzing how we should appropriately respond, looking at how our Torah defines what it means to separate from and look at and analyze and then respond... We have to take account of the fact that verse 17 says, you shall not hate your kinsfolk in your heart, reprove your kinsmen, but incur no guilt because of him. In other words, if something is wrong, you have the right to protest. You have the obligation to protest and shout it from the rooftops and make sure that everybody knows that an injustice is happening. However, you shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against your countrymen. And that is an important lesson of being holy, because we can share the indignation of people who have been treated unjustly. And I think looking at the situation in Baltimore, it seems pretty evident that if an injustice didn't happen in the case of Freddie Gray, injustices happen in cases like Freddie Gray's every single day in America. And every single day in America, there are groups and classes of people 
especially people of color and people of my, uh, minority communities, who feel, and the statistics seem to bear out, are disproportionately targeted and incarcerated by law enforcement. However, the appropriate, the holy response might include protest, but doesn't include vengeance. Doesn't include the destruction of property. Doesn't include violence. Doesn't include responding to hatred with more hatred. Doesn't include responding to brutality with more brutality. And so if we apply this notion of be holy to what's going on in Baltimore, we have, I think, a complicated picture that one often would not hear in the landscape of our media or our political conversation, which tends either to side exclusively with the protesters, even the violent ones, or exclusively with the police and law enforcement. And the notion of being holy, separating ourselves from what's happening and taking a, a God's eye view of what's going on in our society and in our lives, we have a calling to ensure that love of humanity, compassion for humanity, and the creation of a just society is at the forefront of what we Jews fight for and work toward. Be holy is more than just a bumper sticker. It's more than just the nice title of a sermon series. It is the foundation of everything it means to be Jewish. And what it means to be Jewish is to be separate, not from society, but separate for the purpose of the creation of a better society. Shabbat Shalom.